0: Hello and welcome back to Life-Giving Habits from 7 Vineyard, where we're looking at things that Jesus did and asking, if we did them too, can we become more like Jesus? And so, can they become life-giving habits for us? Today, Mal Caladine looks at fasting, something we probably know either as a spiritual discipline, giving things up for Lent, or as a diet. But do those things make a sustainable, long-lasting difference to us? And are there better ways or better reasons to fast? Here are Mao's reasons for fasting. The first is, Jesus said do it. It is on the list. The second is, it deals with the resistors. It deals with the resistors. It's a chance to actually put your appetites under a discipline. Yeah? So how many of you are going to have thought about After, you know, what are you giving up for Lent? You know that phrase, I'm giving something up for Lent? Yeah? What are you giving up for Lent? Anybody thought of anything? You know what the classic one is? Chocolate. I've got to say, I don't get it. (laughs) The reason I don't get it... If you're going to fast, you've got to check what your heart motivation is. If your reason is to lose weight... I can tell you it doesn't work. You put more weight on afterwards anyway because your body goes into shock. Yeah? Uh, it's, you have to check your heart motivation. And the number one heart motivation, as far as I can see, is connection. Is connection with your Heavenly Father. It's connection that I can actually connect more with In God's presence, if I get rid of resistors. So if you're really thinking about Lent, if chocolate is the number one thing that gets in the way of your relationship with God, I get it. Give up chocolate. Then I understand why we give up chocolate for Lent. If chocolate is not the number one thing that that gets in the way of your connection with God, then is there something that you should be doing instead? Do you see what I mean? And it's not just, fasting isn't just about giving something up. It's about taking something on. So as we think about this Lent season, it might well be there's something that you want to take on rather than you give up. Yeah? So I was aware there was a season um, when we were a young family that the, the most least helpful thing for me I felt in my connection with God was TV. So um, I gave up TV for Lent. But I gave it up to invest in my connection. That's quite hard. The six nations are on during Lent. (laughs) The key part in the premiership season, it's all coming down in Lent. I was aware that I was um, I fell deeply in love with Radio 5 Live and had a new alternative idol in my life to TV. But it's—do um, you see what I, uh, But it—but it was an incredibly healthy discipline just to break the hold of it. So what's the thing that you can think of that is actually that is probably the most—the thing that, that most gets in in my connection with God. Fasting seasons are about putting ourselves in a place where we come to deal with the connection, where we come to put ourselves in a place of reliance. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. What What do you need to fast? Well, you can fast all food. That's what I, th- I mainly understand fasting to be, but, um, but not liquids. Uh, Not fasting water is a particularly good idea. Um, uh, There's such a thing as a a Daniel fast, some people call it, where it's going to a a limited diet. That's taking a story from scripture where Daniel was in exile. All of his friends were in slavery whilst he was in the court of the king being spoilt rotten. And in being spoilt rotten, he felt like he needed to al- 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 align himself to his friends in captivity. He needed to align himself to his friends in captivity. So to do that, he, uh, he, he went into a fast that was really basic foods rather than the royal food. And they, they were saying, you're going to be iller than everybody else. And uh, they couldn't get over that he was healthier than everybody else. There's a number of ways that you can show uh, uh, that giving something up to actually be, be aligning yourself to others that you love. Do you know that's actually where, you know the guys who wear belts, uh, well, who don't wear belts anymore? It's kind of become a bit of a teenage trendy thing, yeah? And guys who don't wear belts and you get to see about three or four inches of their underpants, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I love, and you see the odd complete joker who's walking around like a penguin where it's, you can't really walk. If you actually had to run somewhere right now, you'd fall over. Um, That actually started, the whole thing of not wearing belts in jeans, um, started because um, guys in the States um, whose friends were in jail wanted to align themselves to their friends in jail. So they didn't wear belts on their jeans because their friends in jail weren't allowed to wear belts as a safety risk. That was the reason why. You see, there can be forms of doing this that is aligning yourself. Um, There may be a particular appetite that you know has a hold on you, whether that is chocolate or coffee or neighbours or Facebook or whatever that thing is that you know this has a hold on me more than it should. There are seasons to, to deal with that. Um, we, uh, for a number of years, uh, in the run-up to big events, did a daylight fast. Much better to do in winter than summer. Um, and uh, But what we found was, we did it in the, in the run-up to our main event of the year. And what we found was, when uh, we got all of the team to fast uh, daylight hours. When it came to the time of that event, God showed up like we couldn't believe. His presence was extraordinary. Recently, um, well, about two and a half years ago now, I got to go, three years, I got to go to Uganda and we were, in, um, uh, we were at this youth convention uh, in a place called Umbarara. In the southwest of uh, uh, of Uganda, and there are about six or seven thousand young adults, and I've never seen the presence or the power of God come like I did in that place amongst all these young people. The most amazing thing about these young people was they were all from poverty and they all wore suits and ties. So they'd all be dancing, but they'd be wearing suits and ties because they wanted to live into the life that they could have. They wanted to, to, to embody what they aspired to. That's what they were taught and encouraged to do. So they'd all be dancing in their suits and ties. And then, the, um, and then at, the, at the times when it came to pray for people, people would just walk th- forward spontaneously during the talks. There was one talk this guy was giving, and uh, he was just talking about the prodigal son. And the guy started to walk forwards, and I thought it was somebody going to attack him. So I was ready to line back at him and like, take him out. And I was just ready to get out of my chair to go for this guy. And he looks at him and goes, ah, a young man convicted by the Spirit, wanting to know the love of his heavenly Father. Shall we pray for him? And as he said that, 30 or 40 others came forward. He never made a call. He just talked about the prodigal son. And people came forward and gave their lives to God. And then, um, at the end, the power of God was so um, significant. And we were going, oh, this is great because of our talking or whatever. And then he said... uh, This guy said, yeah, we found out that every priest uh, in the team who'd been doing that had been fasting for the previous 20 days. There's something about it. There's something about it. So why do we do it? To seek God, to get his uh, attention, to show God we mean business, to show God we're really sorry, to plead with him to change his mind, for power, and for unanswered prayer. Um, more of the we're, we're going to finish today with uh, with communion, and the the kids are going to come in in uh, just a second. Uh, I want to read uh, two scriptures out to you as to uh, uh, why should you do this? Why should you do this? Um, here's the first one. It's Isaiah 58. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? But on the day of fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. And in striking each other with wicked fists, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. It's an attitude thing. Is this the ki- isn't this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowings one heads like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? No, is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen? to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide food with the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth light your dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. When I struggle with fasting, I go to this verse. When I'm struggling, why to do it? I go to these verses. And um, In a moment, the kids are going to come in and we're going to start to just remember Jesus. And I hope get some time just to say, Lord, as we enter this preparation season in the run-up to Easter, what are you saying to me, Jesus? And what do I need to go and do? But I thought I'd just, uh, I just—I contacted my fasting mentor this week, whilst I knew that I was talking on this—and said, uh, you know, all these years you doing these mad fasts, where's it uh, left you now? And he said, the number one thing it's taught me is that I need to rely on Jesus. What has fasting done? Is made me rely on Jesus said, there's times where I can't feel God. I feel more tempted. Temptations I didn't think I had anymore um, come back and reappear. I feel hungry. I feel cold. My breath smells. Toilet experiences aren't good. It's all hard. But actually, it's teaching me to rely on God. It's, that's the point, is to teach me to rely on God. So if there's a thing I want you to hear is, where is it you need to rely on God? Where is it you need to choose to put yourself in a structure that makes you rely on God more? Um, A few weeks ago, as Owen was talking in the series on money that we've been doing and stewardship, he mentioned Deuteronomy 8. And the, the context of the verse really interested me about God's view on our, on our finances. And I read back, and what really interested me was how in that verse, it said, um, it explained, well, it gives the context of the people of God struggling for 40 years in the wilderness. And it was, why were they in the wilderness? Why did God put them there? I've heard people make strategies out of what it is to live in the wilderness. But apparently, there was only two reasons God had guys in the wilderness. It was to humble them and to test them in order to know what was in their heart. Fasting puts us in a place where we choose to be humbled and to be tested to know what's in our heart so that we can rely on him. Have a moment in quiet as the children come to join us and then we'll remember Jesus in in the bread and the wine.